Hi friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Scoop. I'm your host, Sam Miller. So, today's episode, I've recorded it once before, but for a class, and as I was writing that episode, I was like, this is so interesting. And I say that sincerely, truly. Today we're also commencing a new series I like to call People You Should Know About. And these are people who have really paved the way, um, particularly in entertainment and pop culture, that rarely, if ever, get the credit that they truly deserve. So as a lot of you know, I'm currently a senior in college and I'm in my last semester, but last semester I took a class where we used the 1619 Project from the New York Times as a major component of the class. And if you're not familiar with the 1619 Project, it's really interesting and it's now in a book form, but it's a compilation of writings that are about early foundations of America. And it suggests that we should rethink not 1776 as the start of America, but 1619, and it's put together by Nicole Hannah-Jones as well as many other historians and writers, and I plan to cite that chapter quite a bit for this episode and next episode, so I'll go ahead and let you know that this chapter that inspired these next two episodes from the 1619 Project is called Why Is Everyone Always Stealing Black Music? by Wesley Morris. I encourage you to take a look at it and This chapter includes rock and blues music and its origins, and this chapter includes artists such as Chuck Berry, Ma Rainey, Sister Rosetta Tharp, and Bessie Smith. And I think about this a lot. As an avid consumer of music, particularly rock music, whereas the 1619 Project describes it as yacht rock, I think it's incredibly irresponsible to not know where the origins of the music that I like come from. And even if you're someone who only listens to what's currently popular, It's vital to understand the foundations of rock and blues influences and how undeniable they are throughout most, if not all, of popular music. Far too often do those who have paved the way in history, including the music industry, especially if they're a person of color or a woman, get dismissed and have their accomplishments stripped from them and placed with a white man. And that's why, ignorantly, some people credit Elvis or Bob Dylan or Led Zeppelin with inventing rock and roll. For this episode, And for next episode, I want to talk about two artists in particular, Ma Rainey and Sister Rosetta Tharp, two women in blues and rock respectively who don't get nearly enough recognition for their work. In this first episode, we'll talk about Ma Rainey, and next episode, we'll talk about Sister Rosetta Tharp. I also want to talk about inspiration within music. It's no secret that musicians get their start because they were inspired by someone else. But at what point does inspiration become theft? including some conversation about artists' blatant theft of music from particularly Black artists. So if this sounds interesting to you, make sure you stick around, and we'll be right back after this short break. So like I said, we're starting with Ma Rainey. She was coined the mother of the blues. Gertrude Melissa Nix Pridget was born in 1886 in Georgia, and both of her parents worked as minstrel performers. And in case there's any confusion here, Ma Rainey is Gertrude Pridget. Now, Pridget claims she was born in 1886, but according to census records, she was born in 1882, and that's neither here nor there, but just something I wanted to include. She was also the second of five children, and according to womenshistory.org, she displayed a clear musical talent at a young age and began performing as a teenager, making her debut with a bunch of Blackberries, a group at the Springer Opera House. She was a member of the First African Baptist Church, And through her membership at this church, she performed in black minstrel shows. And she made a career out of performing and traveling with a variety of vaudeville troops. 
and through this she met her husband Will Rainey who was also an entertainer and for a little they did shows as Ma and Pa Rainey traveling with various minstrel groups but most notably with the rabbit foot minstrel and as discussed in the 1619 project minstrel shows were not just white people in blackface mocking and making caricatures of black people but this also included black people who wore blackface and amplified stereotypes about black people and unfortunately if you wanted to work in entertainment in pretty much any time in the late 19th and early 20th centuries you didn't have really many options that weren't vaudeville or a minstrel show and I think it's even been cited that during that time that was by far the most popular form of entertainment. And of course things would change over time, but for quite a while that's just what sold. And I think too there's a lot of misconceptions about minstrel shows and what exactly took place and who was involved. And I think also too many people are quick to be like, well that was forever ago, we don't do that anymore. First of all, let's be clear about one thing, it wasn't that long ago. The BBC even ran the Black and White Minstrel Show from 1958 to 1978. In case math is not a strong suit for you, 1978 was only 44 years ago. And that's not even the most recent example. Of course, the effects of minstrel shows and Jim Crow era's ideology and what classified as entertainment is still present in modern popular culture. I think it could be interesting to do an episode covering this, so if you'd be interested, let me know. But a blackface minstrel would sing, dance, play music, give speeches, and cut up for white audiences, almost exclusively in the North, at least initially. Yes, this kind of stuff is very uncomfortable to talk about, but it's important that we do. Rainey expresses that in 1902, she was first exposed to blues and that she found blues music after she was performing in Missouri in a girl which I'm not sure who or if she ever specified who, a girl showed her this song about a man leaving a woman and she felt incredibly moved by it. And it's not clear specifically what the song was and I can't seem to find it anywhere. Anyway, she learned lyrics and started incorporating it into her shows. And this was where the blues was allegedly created. In 1914, the Rainies were billed in their shows as Rainy and Rainy Assassinators of the Blues. And through their shows, she made connections with figures in blues such as Louis Armstrong and Bessie Smith. And around this time, the Rainies also adopted their son, Danny, who would eventually join to be a part of their shows. Now, I can't find much about Danny other than he performed with his mother in the tour that I'll discuss here in a minute. In 1916, the Rainies separated and she went on tour as Madame Gertrude, Ma Rainey, and her Georgia Smart sets. Another thing, Ma was short for Madame according to Rainey, not mama or anything else. And she made this distinction particularly clear after the couple's separation. According to Danny Barker, a New Orleans jazz player, Ma, that means the tops, that's the boss, the shack bully of the house. Ma Rainey, she'd take charge. Ma Rainey's coming to town, the boss blues singer, and you respect Ma. Which you can find his take on Ma Rainey in Angela Y. Davis's book, Blues Legacies and Black Feminism. Around 1920, there was this huge push to get more black recording artists, and in 1923, with the help of producer Mayo Inc. Williams, Rainey recorded for Paramount Records and was signed in that year, same year. Since she was already a seasoned performer, 
her recordings were polished and ready to go, which made her very likable to those at Paramount Records. In her first eight recordings, she did those in Chicago in 1923, including Bad Luck Blues, Moonshine Blues, and Bow Eagle Blues. Another thing you should know is that over the next five years, she recorded well over 100 songs. Rainey was already pretty well known in the South, but with those 100 plus recordings, this took her fame beyond the South and reached audiences across the country. In 1924, she recorded with Louis Armstrong and also went on tour in the South and Midwest, where she performed for both black and white audiences. And before this, she had rarely performed for white audiences, but this changed when she toured North. According to Rolling Stone, Rainey's shows were among the first to be integrated in Southern states, where segregationist Jim Crow policies were the law of the land. Seating inside the tent shows were technically divided according to race, but by the time the music began, Blacks and whites often sat and swayed side by side. On this tour, she performed with the Wildcats Jazz Band from 1924 to 1928 with the Theater Owners Booking Association circuit, otherwise known as TOPA. In this tour, her son Danny had a comedy number and also performed a singing and dancing number with his mother, Mama, you done put that thing on me. Another thing you should know about Ma Rainey and her music, specifically her lyrics, is that they are very raw. And I think people would be pretty surprised to see that music that early on was doing the things that it was doing, especially with an active Hayes code in the film industry, which set the standard for what was considered acceptable in motion pictures. Rainey's music discussed love and sexuality, including describing relationships with both men and women. In 1925, Rainey was arrested for having a quote, lesbian party at her home in Harlem, where, where Bessie Smith that I mentioned earlier, bailed her out of jail. According to G-Safe, both Rainey and Smith were included in, quote, an extensive circle of lesbian and bisexual African-American women in Harlem, and in 1928, Rainey released Prove It On Me, which is allegedly about this incident. So I do want to listen to a little bit of Prove It On Me, and I don't know how much we can play because I'm not certain where the copyright stands on her music, but take a listen. To my If you want to listen to the rest of the song, it's on YouTube, but for the sake of trying to be careful, that's all I'm going to play on this episode. Another thing you should know is that Rainey wrote her own music, and this was not very common, particularly in the blues genre. She wrote at least a third, if not more, of all the music she performed, including Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is the title of the 2020 biopic about her life, starring Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. Black Bottom was considered a very popular dance craze, and you know, like today we have a lot of TikTok dances and whatever that dominate popular culture, but this dance was performed and adjusted for George White's scandal of 1926 and became a nationwide sensation. And connecting back to a previous episode where we talked about Judy Garland, she performed the song in the 1954 version of A Star Is Born. Throughout the 1920s, Rainey continued to grow her reputation as a strong and polished performer. Rainey is also a fashion icon. I mean, icon. She rocked gold teeth, feathers, and even had a necklace made out of $20 in coins. She wore wigs, sky-high heels, and was covered with an array of jewelry. And because of her elaborate pr approach to performances, she paved the way for a lot of those even outside of the genre to look the way they do on stage today. I mean, Gaga, Cher, Britney Spears. 
it's it's incredible seriously i you need to look up some pictures of her in her outfits they're incredible in the late 1920s and early 30s toba and vaudeville saw a rapid decline in popularity with the increase in radio shows but this didn't really affect her career. She continued to perform and record with Paramount and even earned enough money to get a bus with her name on the side of it. She was also earning about $350 a week for her shows, which is a little under 6,000 in today's money, almost double what some of her fellow colleagues in blues were making. And by the 1930s, Paramount considered blues no longer fashionable and terminated her contract. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm not sure where the copyright stands on her music. There's not really a clear report on whether she was able to claim the rights to her music or if Paramount was like, we'll take those as part of her departure. In 1935, she retired from music altogether, and after her retirement, her focus centered around owning two entertainment venues, the Lyric Theater and the Air Dome, and was also active in the Friendship Baptist Church. She spent her final years living with her brother in Columbus, Georgia, following the death of her mother. Gertrude Ma Rainey passed away on December 22, 1939, from a heart attack. She was 53. One thing that I learned while researching her first that kind of shocked me, that it wasn't until 2019, that's right, 2019, that the New York Times published her obituary as a part of their, quote, overlooked series. Rainey's legacy is still present in modern popular culture and music. In Alice Walker's The Color Purple, the character Shug Avery is based on Ma Rainey. Like I previously mentioned, a biopic was created about her life in 2020, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Additionally, her home in Columbus, Georgia has become a museum, which is both about her life and early origins of blues and rock. Artists like Janis Joplin and Melissa Etheridge cite Rainey as being incredibly influential to them. In 1982, August Wilson's play Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was an addition to Broadway and was largely successful, and it's worth noting that the 2020 biopic was a film adaptation of that play, from what I can tell. I'm sorry if that's not correct, but that's my interpretation of it. Rainey was inducted into the Blues Foundation's Hall of Fame in 1983 and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990. Additionally, in 1994, a U.S. postage stamp was created in honor of her. Another thing that I think is pretty neat is that in 2016, the first annual Marini International Blues Festival was held in Columbus, Georgia. And from their Facebook page, it appears the next festival will be held in April 2022. So if anyone knows for sure, of course, let us know, but I think that would be super interesting. So we were going to have a conversation about uh, inspirations and when inspiration goes too far. But I'm going to save that for next time because I think it's going to fit in with Sister Rosetta Tharp a little bit better. So that is it for today's episode. If you like what you've heard today, make sure that you're following us on whatever platform you're listening to this episode on. So that you'll be notified whenever a new episode is up. We post pretty much exclusively on Fridays, but sometimes if there's something that I really want to talk about that I just don't think can wait till Friday, you might get a surprise episode. Additionally, make sure that you're following us on all of the socials at the Scoop W Sam or extras from the show as well as updates. We have merch. If you missed out on the exclusive holiday merch, have no fear because a new exclusive merch for Valentine's Day is coming very soon. So be on the lookout for that. You can find the link for our merch store in our link tree, which is in the bio of all of our social media accounts. And that's it. See you same time, same place next week for a brand new episode of The Scoop. Talk to you later.